Welcome to History Happened Everywhere, The Verdict, where our resident mentor and critic Paul Dursley takes a look at last week's episode and casts judgment upon us. Uh, so if you haven't heard last week, which was Austria, 1400 to 1500, do go back and have a listen. Otherwise, there will be spoilers to come. Stop! Stop! Thank you. Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere. I'm Ryan Weir and in the studio with me is the lovely Peter Goddard. Yo, yo, yo. And on the phone with us, um, the very sexy, the very handsome, uh, it's Mr. Paul Dursley. Thank you very much. Good evening. Um, a happy new year to you. And a happy new year to you. I'm usually happy at the start of a year, but this year, maybe not. Pete, uh, happy new year to you. Happy new year to you, Ryan Weir. No, happy new year to you, Pete. No, happy new year to you. All right. How you doing? You all right? Uh, I'm all right. Um, well, it's dark, it's gloomy, and we're all locked down. So uh, better years have been had. Paul, what years could we look back on in history and go, you know what, despite everything that's happening right now, this January is still better than that? Well, I guess the latter part of the Second World War. Yeah, that'd be pretty oh, rough, wouldn't it? 1941 probably was the bottom, wasn't it? And then then it sort of picked up a bit, didn't it? Well, what were people doing during the Spanish flu during the Januarys? That must have been a pretty rough time as well. They didn't have Netflix to keep them occupied. Or History yes. Happened Everywhere on podcast. Well, they died. <laughs> it's a simple answer. It's a simple answer. So they did have something to do. <laughs> so I read something about the Spanish flu, which was that the reason it's known as the Spanish flu, which is, is not because Spain was particularly afflicted by it, which I had assumed, yeah. but because at the time, while it ravaged its way around Europe and various other countries, uh, the other countries had censorship of their press and Spain, Spain much less so. So it was reported in Spain and then became known as the Spanish flu. Oh, okay. I assumed it was like um, the China virus and it was just the British going, yeah, it's definitely the Spanish because we had a beef with them at the time. <laughs> yeah, like so many things, like the fr- taking French leave to I mean going AWOL and various other unpleasant things being assigned as French things. Right, exactly. The yeah. French disease. The French disease, is that what you would call it? I think it's generic venereal disease, isn't it? The French oh. pox. Oh, I see. <laughs> Right, so this is off to a flying start with happy thoughts. Um, I was supposed to—you were supposed to make me feel better, but I feel worse. We've talked about the Second World War and Spanish flu. Ah, you started it. Yeah, that's true. I did. I came to you for a, for a happy thought. <laughs> oh, bless you. Right, okay. Well, let's talk about episode eighteen. Eighteen B. Eighteen B. Yeah, part two. Um, about Austria in 1400 to 1500 with a topic of tradition, which was a new one, wasn't it? It was. You sort of just created it. I made it my own. You went off the rails. I created new rails. You went wild. You wouldn't let me do my episode. I really wanted you to, but that alarm it cannot be beaten, Ryan. It's a time up. Mm. When time's up, time's up. So were you, have you done all your reading on Liechtenstein and now you don't know how to criticise our episode? I... Well, I'm going to criticise it quite a lot, actually. 
<laughs> uh, first of all, I was very disappointed. I was looking forward to Liechtenstein. You're, you're not alone. And I was very disappointed that Ryan couldn't force himself through and do it. Mm. Unless, of course, it was a ploy, Ryan. You hadn't actually done your homework. <laughs> I don't know why you would possibly think that. <laughs> <laughs> Gazes at shoes. <laughs> that, that may have played a part, no, but sir. that's besides the point. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I feel told off. You're the victim here, Ryan. Stick with it. I am the victim. I should be the victim, right? <laughs> you take the blame for me. So, okay, yeah, my apologies. I did force a load of stuff in. It, it wasn't so much that Ryan wasn't prepared. It was just that I had so much that I still wanted to share that I kind of hogged the glory. Mm. It was a good episode, though. I enjoyed it. Or was it? Well, let's find out. Um, so, Paul, let's start at the very, very beginning. Um, uh, Peter took us on a little bit of a year-long journey, didn't he? Through all of the different traditions. An annual escapade. An annual Osterleich escapade. Wow, Ooh. that's good. Do you want to do our marketing? <laughs> Um, and so we started with smashing eggs, uh, his stupid face and my beautiful face being smashed together, hurled together in a egg explosion. I was very disappointed at that. Why? You're not supposed to use hard boiled eggs. You're supposed to use bad runny eggs. Wait, That's a, what? there's a lot more estate there. <laughs> <laughs> there is. is that a thing? Or are you making No, that? I just made that up. Oh, right. <laughs> I think he was, wish, was, was wishful filming. <laughs> I was disappointed that you didn't use raw eggs. I think that, yeah, again, more at stake. It would have been <laughs> more gripping radio, maybe. But uh. So come on then, let's, uh, let's talk about egg, egg, egg bashing. Well, you know, what do you think? Is it a good tradition? It seems a bit of a waste of eggs. Oh, you eat the egg. You boil the egg and have your rattle and then yum yum. Egg for all. Okay. So it's a bit like with prunes where you do that little rhyme where you take the seeds out of prunes and put them on the side of the bowl. What? No? No, no you're going to have to share this. This could be some weird rhyme-specific um, tradition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> first of all, prunes don't have seeds. They have... Stones? Stones. Okay. I mean, they're not actual so they stones, would, though. So, so they would only have one, though. So you'd always get... Whatever the first one is. Yeah, but unless you counted out how many prunes you put in a bowl. How many prunes are you eating? Who's eating bowls of prunes? <laughs> are you from the 1970s? <laughs> I so regret even mentioning this. The whole thing you do the you do right. So you pour out some prunes in a bowl. <laughs> I mean, that's where you lose me. Who pours out some prunes in a bowl? And then you eat the prunes, except the stones in the. St then you count the stones later, but you do the Tinker Tailor Soldier Sailor, and whichever why don't you just one it count is, the prunes. Well, you could count the prunes. There is a one-to-one -one relationship between prune and stone. But this is... Uh, I'm trying to take us on to the fortune-telling thing, right? The point of this, the prunes thing <laughs> I is... I think you mean a pomegranate. No, I, <laughs> I mean prunes. You eat the prunes. You Just let me tell you. So you eat the prunes. <laughs> you eat the prunes. Tinker. You eat the prunes, and then the stones are left in the bowl, and you put them on the, around the rim of the bowl... And you do... <laughs> Why are you looking at me like I'm weird? <laughs> and you count them by going... Tinker, Tinker Taylor, Taylor, Soldier, Soldier Sailor, Sailor, and whichever man, one you man, stop at, man, thief. that's the one you're going to marry. Oh, this is a season... This is a... 
very gameable system, isn't it? Why? No. <laughs> Just count your prunes when you Well, don't them. count the prunes, otherwise the fortune doesn't work. So, so uh, is this prunomancy? Yeah, I think prunomancy. it's... Prunomancy. Prunomancy. <laughs> <laughs> I cast the stones and see your future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think you will be going to the lavatory very soon. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, that's why I'm going to marry a tinker. (laughs) Of all the reasons for you to marry a tinker, the prunes told you to do it is impossible to marry you. Right, let's move on. That didn't, yeah. So egg wise, um, Ryan, as you probably remember, lost horribly at uh, egg battle. Uh, but d- d- didn't he use the wrong end? Well, I thought so, and then I t- sort of started to doubt myself about there being a right and wrong end at all. So I thought we might consult you. The only thing I know, which end comes out first? That's an interesting question. Well, I think the pointy end comes out <laughs> first because that's the bit that it lands on the ground, and that's why that's the strongest bit. Well, not necessarily because. The the anus can take a, a, a lot of different sizes. Cloaca! <laughs> cloaca, sorry. Are you the only person in the world who doesn't know that it's called a cloaca? Yeah. Comes from comes from the Latin, it means sewer. Oh, is that right? That's yes. actually worse than anus then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not the anus, it's the sewer. <laughs> okay. My chicken eggs come from the sewer. <laughs> um, actually, the blood tent comes out first. Oh. See, if I were to be laying an egg, I'd probably want the sharp end to come out first. <laughs> maybe that's me. That's why I'm not a chicken, maybe. <laughs> no, I, th- I think if, the, if what would happen is if, if the blunt end comes out first, it means the sharp end comes out. Oh, sorry, if the if the, if the sharp end comes out first, it means the blunt end comes out last. So there'd be an enormous clap when it shuts. <laughs> whereas, this is why when you go past the chicken farm, whereas if the blunt end comes out first, it you know the sphincter muscle closes gracefully. Ah, uh, no, because I walked past the chicken farm and all you could hear was this. <laughs> So that covers the that's Easter eggs, eggs thing. Eggs smashing, that's right. Eggs. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so what comes next then? Solstice, bit Beach of bonfire. Oh, the bonfires. Bonfire of the solstices. I just got really excited over the bonfires. Uh, bonfires are great. I love a bonfire. Yeah, me too. They're dangerous mm. though. You look at what's happening over in the States with like, you know, LA, they've got these. Well, that's a setting fire to buildings. That's not quite the same thing as having a bonfire. Yeah, not, not buildings, like, you know, in Australia. Oh, all the forest fires. Forest fires and stuff. Well, arguably that's because they don't have enough fires. Who don't? What? Those areas. These Some of those areas, forest fires are sort of part of the cycle of life. The cycle of life. And uh, they need forest fires. They're ready for them. Oh, okay. oh yes, they're they're absolutely absolutely necessary. Yeah, some of the seeds won't even f- sprout Germinate. until they've been through a good fire, have a good burn up. So there's no chance that these uh, summer solstice fires are going to set the Alps alight. 
I would say highly unlikely. Uh, I would like a, a burning mountain would be a sight to see, though, wouldn't it? Well, you think about it, right? They're, they're, they've got grass fields. That, that's got to be somewhat flammable. And then you've got pine trees, evergreen forests on the sides of those mountains. They're going to go up. Think of the resin that's in those trees. But um, in the Alps in the summer, yeah, it sort of rains every day at about five o'clock for an hour, doesn't it? Wow, that's an oddly specific bit of information you know about. <laughs> is, that the, is that where the Swiss would get their sort of punctuality from? Is it? So well, you it, need it, to know it when did that... when I was. It did when I was in Austria as a child. Oh, okay. Did you grow up in, in Austria? <laughs> no, on holiday in the Tyrol for a week. Oh, I've just and had it a... rained. It rained every day at about five to six then it cleared up and it was a lovely evening does anyone else have an image of dursley and lederhosen <laughs> with a little ice cream <laughs> <laughs> running through a field <laughs> like gunter from uh, charlie and the chocolate factory looking at the cows with the headdresses i want chocolate <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid this is all lost on me. <laughs> okay, so cows in headdresses then. No, my point is, if there's a big old fire in the Alps, all the snow on the top of the mountains would melt and therefore flood the valleys, killing all of the people. I think it's uh, well, there's tremendously no snow dangerous. In the, there's, there's very little snow in the Alps in Austria in summer. Yeah, probably because of all the fires. Has <sighs> anyone done the science? I think not. Paul doesn't even yes. know where to start dismantling this. <laughs> yeah, because I, th- I don't think most scientists would even go there for the simple reason it's stupid. Yeah, okay. Well, fair enough. Right, so, uh, but yes, okay. They, have you seen the pictures of them? They're quite amazing. I had a little look. No, no, I, I, I haven't. Yeah, they're, they're quite delicate little flowers and very, yeah, it's like graffiti, really. And it's really, it's really up the mountain. What really amazed me, I thought they'd be like, if it was me and someone said, do a fire on the mountain, I'd... Go very much to base camp and no further. <laughs> it's a very base of the mountain, probably put something together. But they've really jacked these fires yeah. onto what look like really steep mountains. I imagine if you're into it, you probably get quite competitive with the other people that are doing it as well, right? So oh, yeah, the higher I you go, the better yeah. placement you've got. And just like these little, you know, little rivalries between the Graupfetiists. Graupfeti. It's Graupfeti. That's what I'm calling it. That will not catch on, sir. But no, they must have prizes and a bit of local rivalry and your neighbourhood does a better fire. And that height must be part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the most dangerous ledge and all that sort of stuff. Oh, absolutely. So are they actually real fires or are they like Roman candles that they set out in patterns? No, it's real fires. You know, like the, um, oh, it's that chalk outlined man in south of England. Um, the Cernabus giant. Right. Tell us about that for those people well, that don't the know. Well, the one with the, what, the chap with the enormous phallus. <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, I thought it was ordinary size myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what is it, though? Uh, they, what, think, they think it has been extended a bit over time. But, but what is it, though, Paul, for those people that, that haven't been to the south of England and seen the giant phallus man? Well, it's a figure carved in the landscape. Uh, I don't really know very much about it. When when it was carved, some people think it's you know goes back thousands of years. Some people think it was carved in sort of the sixteenth century, nineteen eighty seven, as about the same time as the the other chalk figures. You know, the horses in the landscape. 
So there are but, other but, there are other chalk figures, right? Outline oh, drawings. There are hundreds of chalk figures. The 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 by far the best one is at Uffington, which is the white horse there, which is this weird stylized white horse galloping through the landscape. Okay, cool. I'm going to put some uh, links to this in the episode description for this podcast. If you're interested in seeing those because you haven't seen them before, you don't perhaps live in England and you want to see the chalk outline figures, uh, there'll be some links in the episode description there. But my point is, is that those outline description figures, imagine those, but instead of chalk, they're fire. That's what they look like. Yeah, that's fair. So how do, how do they set these fires? Is it lots of fires as spots? Well, they seem. They, yeah. It's hard to tell because the images are all from a, a ways back, right? I, I couldn't really find much in the way of how they make them, but they, they they literally look like drawings only in flame. So, like the Nazca lines. Yeah, yeah, that's another way of putting it. Yeah, like the Nazca lines. Yeah. Where, where is that? Mexico. Very much like the Nazca lines. Uh, Peru. Peru. Yeah, the ones where you can really only see them from above. Oh right. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say it's aliens, but. Oh, God, here we go. Well, how else are they getting up that high to see them to be able to draw them out? Man has never climbed before, it's true. Well, they were were attached to large kites. Yeah, well, that's another, yeah, that is another way that they suggest that they did do it. I'm not going down the... Yes, that is the rational answer. (laughs) I'm not going down this rabbit hole, Ryan, and listening to your crackpot theorems. It's not a crackpot theorem. I'm telling you, the the crystal skulls are true and real (laughs) and they exist. (laughs) Just ask Dan Aykroyd. He knows. He does know. He does know. <laughs> Dan, if you're listening. <laughs> the crystal skulls exist. There's one. Exactly. There's one There's one in the British Museum. They're just yep. carved. They're just crystal skulls. No, they don't know how they were carved. No human could possibly <laughs> have carved them. Oh, God, I'm not going there. <laughs> See, you're only encouraging him. Quick, let's go back to Austria uh, and talk about cows in headdresses before we go too far down this conspiracy. So is that summer solstice as well, then, the cows? No, the cows was uh, September, October. Okay. So it's the changing of the seasons. It's getting cold up on the mountain, so you bring your cows down. Bring your cows down. Don't you want to talk about the solstice, then? Oh, we could talk about the solstice. So what's oh. the big deal about this? So how come some days are longer than others? Because the earth is tilted. Well, it's, it's it's tilted with respect to the uh, plane of the solar system called the ecliptic. What does this mean 20, in English? Because I don't understand a word you've just said. 20, 23 and a half degrees is the angle of spin of the Earth. So, okay. Let me, right. So there's the sun and then there's a bunch of planets and then there's Earth. And Earth yeah. spins around the sun and it spins around at an angle towards the well, sun. Uh, uh, Not on its planets, equator. All of the planets generally uh, circle the sun in the same plane, but the Earth, the Earth's spin is not perpendicular to that plane. It's a, it's it's kinked by uh, twenty three and a half degrees, I think. Okay, why is it well, it's the, kinked? It's the, it was probably because. Um, is it like hit by an asteroid and it made it all wobbly? Well, yes. Oh. Probably, probably to do with the moon splitting out from the Earth. Okay. If if you think about, in the summer, the Arctic is totally in sunlight. Yes, I've heard of this, and that is because of this tilt. So it's very interesting that the Arctic Circle is defined as the complement of the angle of tilt. So it's sixty six point something degrees, and so at that level. After the equinox, the sun is always above that 
will always be above that line. Okay. And and so that that varies with latitude um, around the Earth. And so when you get nearer to the equator, the difference is not really that noticeable. Um, it is noticeable in higher latitudes, like here especially, when, you know, today it gets dark, or in the end of December it gets dark at half past three, and at the end of June, it gets dark at half past nine, ten o'clock at night. That's an enormous range. You know, day lasts from between eight hours and 17 hours. And that's because of the tilt of the Earth. Because if the Earth was totally perpendicular to the way it was going around, the days would always be 12, 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of darkness. So, the, so when it's dark in Norway all the time... Mm-hmm. the bottom of the earth is facing towards the sun. Yes, so it's, it's sunny all the time. And when it's sunny all the time, the bottom of the earth is facing away from the sun. Well, which, whichever is sunny is facing the sun. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's what makes it sunny. Yeah. <laughs> the sun. I'm back in the room now. Yeah. Yeah, sun causes sunny, yes. Okay. <laughs> but most, a, lot of, a lot of planets don't spin uh, perpendicular to the, to the plane of the solar system. Uh, the funniest planet uh, in the solar system. Uranus. Exactly. <laughs> Is it? It uh, actually spins pointing at the sun. So its northern hemisphere is always in daylight and its southern hemisphere no is always in the dark. That's really cool. So does that mean it's not got like a frozen top to Uranus? Well, it's all frozen because it's a very long way away from the sun. Yeah, it's a good point. Okay, I thought of that. But okay, so we, so we could then start doing the Uranus gags. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut those in after. Your cloaca, God. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about cows. We were about to talk about cows. Oh, okay. So cows, uh, I, of all the festivals, I mean, bonfires are pretty classic. Uh, eggs are pretty universal. The, the cow thing seemed the most specific to that area, the, the notion of bringing your cows down from the mountaintop and dressing them up for the journey. Uh, I rather liked him. Well, sort of moving the cows up and down. I can't remember the name that you gave it. Gave it a nice... Transhumans. Uh, that's a very nice... A very nice name. That's obviously logical, um, but then dressing them up as maidens or whatever they do—just <laughs> floral headdresses. Just to just actually, you can oh, you can okay. see. I've suddenly realised where this tradition has come from. The farmer, <laughs> got, the, the, the herd got caught and was like, "Oh no, I'm dressing just them up them to bring them down." <laughs> come on, Daisy. That's go. that's why that's why I'm wearing that's why I dressed her up like this. <laughs> yeah, I think it's any. I think to some extent it's any excuse for a party, isn't it? You got if you're going to do something, you're bringing the cows down. Everyone's doing it at the same time. Yeah, you party. That's where festivals come from, right? I guess so. You've probably just got a lot of time on your hands, haven't you, to make little stuff? Yeah, you're up there. They're chewing the cud as they do. You've got. Time on your hands, a whittling stick and a bunch of wildflowers around. What are you going to do? Dress your cow up. Dress your cow up. It'd be quite fun because then when your neighbour comes around, you'd be like, look at my cow. You'd be like, like, what have you well, done? My cow could be prettier than that. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit of competition. Right. I could see that happening. 
Anyway, uh, right, so let's move on. Krampus, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, it's dark, the streets are really scary, there's creepy crawlies everywhere. It's Krampus. It's the Krampus song. Never heard of it. I made it up. So Ah. what do you feel about uh, Dark Christmas? I like it. I like the whole, I find Christmas quite a spooky thing anyway. Perhaps since I saw Gremlins. (sighs) Well, Christmas is a boring thing, isn't it? More than anything else. But I think it's, I I quite like the idea of, uh, we've sort of lost it in this country or the in the Anglo-Saxon world about, you know, the bad side. But Krampus yeah. is essentially the devil, right? Well, he's become the devil, I think, was the point. It's He was a pagan, mythical, satire guy, and he was co-opted by the church into being the devil. I think you mean the satire, devil. don't you? A, a satire? Yeah I, yes. yeah, I am sat here. So oh, talking about the... Uh, that's a sat here joke. Yeah. Hey, a little is Krampus the devil or not? Go-legged fella. No, he became the devil, didn't he? He started okay. out being a mythical a mythical beastie guy, and then the church went, ban the devil, uh, ban the Krampus because people are having too much fun. Uh, and they went, nah, we're not going to do that because it's too much fun. And so they went, ah, yeah, that's fine because he's the devil in fact. So okay. he's on our side now. So you've got to pick a side. Which side are you on? You're on St. Nick or are you on the Krampus? Krampus. Darkness, of course. Right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. It's the it's the same as in in Nether- the Netherlands, isn't it? Because they have Schwarz Peter, Black Pete, who is um, Santa Claus's mischievous, evil little helper. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he's sort of he's the one who doesn't distribute the sweets. It's the ah. the the smacks. I have a theory that Santa's really behind it all, but he wants to be, because he's the, the CEO of the Christmas company, yeah. he wants everyone to love him. So he's all the ho, 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 here's your presents. And then meanwhile, he's going, go smack that kid for me. And Krampus nice. takes all the, it's like these evil right-hand secret man. covert actually, meetings where yeah. he's, he's bringing all these bad guys in. Exactly. I'm going to slide this list of names across the table, Camp Krampus. <laughs> you go get them. And then he can claim all ignorance of it. Yeah, he's like, like, oh, that terrible Krampus has been doing that again. I'm so sorry, little Timmy. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's sort of a lot. A lot of these things are pagan, isn't it? Because Father Christmas, who is a different character to Santa Claus, Papa Noel in French, um, was linked to being the Green Man of myth, and so the traditional thing that Father Christmas wore was a green cloak, a green velvet cloak with. Uh, trimmed with um, ermine uh, and so to to celebrate um you know bringing all the uh, all the foliage in at, at that at that time of at that time of year nothing really to do with nothing really to do with children that was all sort of bought that was all a late 19th century early 20th century marketing ploy Okay, let's move on to the final uh, topic then from Pete's one, which was the... Molybdomancy. Molybdomancy, which is a great that name, by is, the way. That was my favourite part. Okay, cool. Is that because you believe thoroughly in the ability to forecast things through the melting of lead? No, I like the word molybdy. 
Yeah. Which is interesting because Molybdi is means lead, but of course there is an element called molybdium which is not lead. You say of course, of course. Well, I did not know about that. Well, I. What, what did I find molybdium in? Um, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's probably one of the rare earths for magnets. That's okay. used for magnets now. Oh, that's cool. Like like neodymium. If you get that wrong, do I have permission to voice of the internet? It? You can if you wish, but you won't. <laughs> <laughs> All the Krampus will come. <laughs> right, let's talk about molybdomancy. So obviously it wasn't lead. We did actually have a proper professional Austrian kit, right? A molybdomancy kit. I think the word professional is used in the loosest possible terms. <laughs> it was professional. There are professionals that use that exact kit. Um, no, you're probably right. Uh, it's just a... Professional charlatan. It's sort of, sort of a fun game. So is there any truth to molybdomancy? Any truth? I'm not even going to answer that. Is there any way of predicting uh, a fortune? No. What about in mathematics? There's no way of being able to, to predict... That I mean, that's a much less fun New Year's Eve game sitting around doing advanced <laughs> uh, mathematics. Well, but I'm guessing there's probably a way you could you could guess my fortune. Well, uh, oh, okay, you you could. It, it's it's sort of to do with Descartes, isn't it? And determinism. You know, it was thought. You know, in, in Newton's time, if you know the state of everything and how everything was moving, you could predict that into the future forever. Right. Uh, and but as as with lots of these physics questions, I think someone sent me a question about physics earlier this week saying, you know, first Newton was right, then Newton was wrong, then Einstein was right, then Einstein was wrong. They have their own areas of uh, expertise or fields where it's it's valid. But you know, this this is like the you know, you've heard of the butterfly effect. If the but just for those people that haven't, how would you explain it, Paul? Well, the butterfly effect is, you know, a butterfly might flutter its wings um, in Brazil, which might move some molecules of the atmosphere, which might knock a tree, which might do this, which might cause a hurricane, right. dot, dot, dot. And there is a logical chain of um, events to the hurricane. Yeah. But there are just so many butterflies and things that could cause those. To be able to know all of that information is impossible. Okay. To, uh, uh, yes, it's, so, if, if it, it is, it is impossible. So it's just sort of chaos theory. Yes, exactly. It's chaos theory, and you know, it's it's interesting. Like, like weather forecasting now is a, incredibly more accurate than it used to be. Because what they what they're effectively doing is they're sampling the atmosphere and then projecting it forward, and they're sort of trying to do the butterflies, but they're nowhere near the level of butterflies. I think they're they're sort of like one kilometer cubes over the whole of the Earth. Okay, and they're they're sort of working them out so changes in one affect the other affect the other, and it's all to do with the underlying terrain, and they're all built into this enormous model. Uh, that uses the Navier-Stokes equations, which are very difficult equations to solve, but they're constantly solving these equations. And they then come up with a weather forecast. And the interesting thing is, 
with chaos theory, it's called sensitive dependence on initial conditions, you'll get situations where you start in two almost identical ways, maybe apart from one tiny little thing, and then after a period of time, they might be together for a while, but then they will just diverge totally. And so this goes back to your question about, you know, can you predict things? And the answer is no. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a lot of effort when you could just chuck some lead in a bucket of water. <laughs> uh, yes, but there are a lot of charlatans and equally a lot of gullible people out there. Yes, of course, this is all a bit of pointless, harmless fun, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's good fun to do. It's, it's fun because it goes... It, so yeah, my more charitable view is uh, the act of saying, what does this look like to you, stimulates a conversation. A person will naturally start to talk about the things that are on their mind. And therefore, mm-hmm. a person who is sensitive to other people, this is simply a tool for sort of un- uncovering what that is on that person's mind so that you can give them helpful advice. In much the same way, you might go and see a therapist today and do art therapy or something. Blaine, yeah, the act of interpretation is also an act of explanation. Well, yeah, so it, it's it's all to do with for good or bad it's cold reading you know cold reading is the process that charlatans use um and you know stage hypnotists use to get information out of people um and to pick the sort of people who are the most susceptible to that sort of thing it's like yeah you go to a most people who go to a hypnosis show sort of think that they will be hypnotized or can be hypnotized it's sort of a self-selecting audience and then the hypnotist also with his spiel will select people who are particularly gullible slash susceptible no i agree i yeah i mean i think you've definitely got to buy into it right but at the same time you've also you can just enjoy it just like me and pete did we just had some fun and Oh, did I did I'm, I hope not... that there was going to be a woman in our future? Is this a sexy lady with a great deal of money is coming your way? <laughs> <laughs> that was what we predicted, right? Like the fortune was a woman, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Which was what though? I think it was pleasure and enjoyment. That's right, pleasure and enjoyment for the podcast, not necessarily Fortuna for us. Fortuna Imperatrix Monday. Yes, he's turned Roman. <laughs> What's happened? He's... <laughs> He's gone gall well, again. Said, you said there was a woman. So Fortuna Imperatrix Monday, Fortune is a woman, is the empress of the world. Ah, oh, that's great. I like that. Very good. Right. Well, that, that brings us to the end of Austria, part two. Um, so uh, thank you, Paul. Well, I, th- I think we've we've learned a lot from you over the past half an hour. Um, what grade do you want to give part two, or do you want to assign, or do you want to either increase or decrease part one's grade? What was grade for part one? Okay, so part one was B plus. So you can either give a whole new grade for the new episode, part two. Or you can just give one grade for both the two parters. The thing is, I am quite disappointed that it wasn't Liechtenstein. <laughs> and I think a lot of your listeners will be as well. We have had complaints. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I think the fairest thing uh, would be to give this a B minus to give an average of B for the thing. I'll accept my uh, judgment. I did go rogue and add an episode entirely unprompted, so uh, I accept my punishment. But say that, it was, it was still a most enjoyable episode. Yeah, it was good fun. It was a really good one. Okay, so thanks, Paul, yet again for another brilliant judgment. I think it was the right call. Um, it always is when it's Pete, funnily enough. <laughs> Never when it's mine. <laughs> uh, Pete, thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here. And well done for giving an awesome, awesome episode. Um, we're going to be back this time next week. Uh, with another after-show episode, which will be about Lichtenstein. Yes, a much-anticipated Lichtenstein. It is. We've recorded it. It it does exist. Okay, so uh, get in touch with us. Uh, we're on all of the social medias at HHE Podcast, or you can email us at hhepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We sure would, especially Paul. No, I would <laughs> so I don't give a toss. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so Paul doesn't want to hear from any of you, so absolutely, whatever you do, do not write to Paul Dursley. Do not write to Paul Dursley at hhepodcast at gmail.com. He doesn't want to hear from or, you. Or through any other social media at hhepodcast. Definitely don't do that. Please don't do that, because do Paul would that. hate it. Okay, this has been... History happened everywhere. The Verdict... So I'm now sitting in the comfy chair with the microphone close. Yes, can you hear me? I can, yeah. It sounds like you're right in my head. Oh dear. <laughs> Quite like the idea of you in my head. I feel like a, oh. my very own Jiminy Cricket. Yes, I can just about remember that. In the, uh, in the novel of Pinocchio, Jiminy Cricket is only in it for like three or four pages. And Pinocchio smashes him with a brick against the wall. <laughs> and kills him. And kills him, yeah. I don't know why Disney changed that. <laughs> I can't think. <laughs> First test audience that came walking out wide-eyed in horror. <laughs> if you wish a pop... <laughs> yeah, shut up, Well, uh, <laughs> he probably learned his lesson when Bambi's mother died. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't kill Bambi's mother with a brick, though, did they? <laughs> That's the that's the rough cut that you may have heard of. Bam. Yeah. Hello, I'm I'm still here. It's there's no need to speak when I'm not being spoken at.